I mean, a, a wolf's got teeth that can defend itself. I've got, you know, seven rocket launchers on my back. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 37. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend... Matt Runquist. Hi, Travis. How you doing? This week, I watched the movie... Pray, and you listened to New Zealand indie band The Beths. Oh, I listened to The Beths. The Beths. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, how are you, Matt? It has been a week since I've seen you. It has been a week since you've seen me. Because uh, <laughs> that's how this that's, show works. That is the format. <laughs> uh, it's been a pretty good week for me. I have spent the week uh, recovering from the cold that has affected our last two recording dates, and I'm still getting there are you sure it was the cold because covid cases are rising i have been i did test for covid and came up negative but i only tested once and i know sometimes Mm, you can get a later positive it didn't seem like covid to be honest with you i realize you know that i've never had it as far as i'm aware really yeah i'm completely completely virginal when it comes to covid but um and in many other ways, my friends. At least seven, yes. <laughs> at least seven virginal ways. Yes, at least se- seven virginal <laughs> ways is a great name for an album. That is a great name for an album. I that's your next uh, spank hole tank spanky. <laughs> I do love that you can't remember the name of the band exactly, but that's okay. Uh, speaking of the band, Virgin though, Spank Hole. That's what t- it's called. T- today, this album is gonna, or sorry, this uh, podcast is gonna come out on the twenty fourth of September, September, there we go, and September, it's a totally normal word months, that I can months say. Months are hard. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I've got a song coming out today. Yeah, I've got a new Ooh. song coming out, my first uh, recording that I've made since uh, May, I think, and uh, it's a re-recording of a song that my college band did. I really, really like it. I'm excited about it, and I'd like all of our listeners to go check it out on all the major music platforms. It should be out right as we speak. As you're listening, if you can hear this, our words right now, you can go hear that song. And what's the song called? The song is called War, which is actually an acronym for We Are Right. And it's an anti-war anthem that uh, my high school friend Chris and I wrote uh, many, many moons ago. And uh, how back before war was even a problem Back before war was even a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I was going to play like a little bit of it here. I've dropped it in the chat so you can listen along. We'll do this with a bad recording and then I'll drop a nice clean recording into the thing that you all hear. But uh, we're just going to listen to the first 30 seconds now. So uh, check it out, Travis. Cool. Okay. Do I so, have you back? Yeah, you have me back. 
And uh, so I'm really excited about that. I'm going to put the whole song for the listeners after the end credits so that uh, anybody who's not interested in Panko Stankel, I can't imagine such a person, but such a person must exist. Uh, you know, multi- multiverses and stuff, right? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm going to put it after the credits. Uh, but I'm really excited, and I uh, am going to play it at my show on September 24th at X-Ray Arcade in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So oh, I'm going to be wow. in the Battle of the Bands. If you're in the area... Come check it out. It's a fundraiser for Girls Rock Milwaukee. It's a great cause. We'd love to see you. So that, Travis, is my news for you. That is great, and I am I'm I'm really glad that uh, I'm really glad that that stuff is going on for you, and also that you went first because coming into today, I was I was not in a great mood. I was I, I'm probably in the worst mood today mm-hmm. than uh, I have ever been. You know, on a, a recording this podcast in in the year we've been doing this almost, we should make a little and, stinger uh, for it's the worst mood. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I just I, I well, and this is making me happier. So thank you for that. Oh. I also went. I walked all the way to the second closest Starbucks and got myself a pumpkin spice latte, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> oh. I needed the extra distance, you know. Um, and actually, I used the time to listen to today's music. Oh, nice. And um. Got myself a, 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 which actually made me feel better, and also talked to my mom a little bit, which makes me feel better. Hi, mom. And, um, but, and, and it was not this music that made me feel bad, by the way. It wasn't, that's not, that's not completely why. Um, but I, what, <laughs> teaser. Um, the, uh, so, so I'll tell you, okay, the big thing was that uh, I had to take Coco into the vet this week for a pretty major, um, <gasps> Uh, oral surgery, oh, no. and uh, I, w- I can't say anything more because there might be some l- legal issues going on uh, as I mm-hmm. uh, deal with um, uh, the vet and insurance, but go ahead and take a look at your photos that I just sent you, and you can see what I had oh, to my. done Oh, with my. Oh, my goodness. What on earth? Yeah, it was very bad, and um, and she's doing great. She's doing great now. But uh, in, in addition to the um, uh, to the severity of of the of the procedure, the uh, the cost was uh, very high, yeah. and I don't really have any money. I do have pet insurance though, mm-hmm. and the vet assures me that this will be covered. But until it actually is, mm. I'm of course wary. Yeah. Uh, because I've never used pet insurance before. Yeah. Uh, I've never, you know, I never had any for DOT and, okay. you know, didn't really need it. So um, so that, that happened it, this week, and I'm a little bit, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I, yeah. I'll talk to you about what it All is right. after okay. we're done here, if you'd like. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that happened. And then we, uh, so there, I don't know if you heard, I mean, this will be kind of old news by the time this goes up, but uh, a couple of daytime talk shows decided to go back on the air yeah. uh drew barrymore and uh uh and a couple others um bill maher yeah. who is not daytime talk show but you know also decided to go back and there has been a ton of flack and negative reaction on this and i was a little i was a little perturbed to be honest because the 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 contract that at least Drew Barrymore has and uh, shows like The Talk and uh, other daytime talk shows is not the same contract that SAG actors are negotiating right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a what they call a network code uh, contract. And it's it's not under renegotiation. It's a, it's a valid contract. And so 
and SAG actors are uh, under a no-strike rule when it comes to contracts that are valid. So we are not allowed to strike mm -hmm. if we are offered a job under a contract that is valid, okay? Okay. And Drew Barrymore is not a member of the WGA. So for her to go back to work doesn't affect or cross WGA picket lines, mm -hmm. but it does uh, fulfill her contract as a SAG actor. And so I was pointing that out to uh, some people online mm. and uh, on, on this um, you know, Hollywood Strike Facebook group. And I got banned for pointing out that maybe we shouldn't be pissed off at Drew Barrymore. We should stay pissed off at the, uh, at the AMPTP, which is the producer's mm -hmm. trade organization. And, uh, and we should celebrate any work that actors get under contracts that aren't the ones being renegotiated mm -hmm. because that only helps actors. Yeah. And um, so uh, I, I'm a little bit peeved about that, about, you know, that online everybody just wants to be angry and mm -hmm. we're so quick to anger and so slow to rational, uh, nuanced thought that involves facts and truth. And it just makes me, uh, it just made me really upset. And so I've been dealing with that this weekend. Um, and you know, and I was going back to work on the show on the daytime show that I work on because we're under that, you know, current right. SAG contract uh -huh. that is not being renegotiated, and um, and we were forced to delay as well, not because people were mad at our show, but because people were so mad at Drew Barrymore, mm -hmm. they decided to wait for our show as well. Mm -hmm. So so that means I'm I'm uh, again out of work, even though I was working for a little bit. So yeah, that's of course stressful. So yeah, you know, that's big dog bill. And that's no tough. work. That's that's what I've been dealing that's with this week. Really tough. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I don't mean to burden you with that, but I, I will say all of that to say that this interaction that we have, this mm -hmm. show, yeah. our thing, yeah. brings me joy. Uh -huh. and, uh, and 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 I really look forward to it. And uh, I look forward to talking with you every week. And it's been nice uh, doing this. Well, so thank you, I, Travis. I also find your your presence unobjectionable. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, like the Eliza do little thing I've become accustomed to your face <laughs> no I really enjoy this uh, as well I wouldn't have done it for nearly 40 episodes uh, if I didn't so yeah yeah well yeah. should we get into the meat yeah let's let's get into the meat let's uh, shake things up and do the um oh what did we do last week first? nobody we knows the... and nobody cares let's do the <laughs> let's do the movie Let's do the movie first. All right. I had you watch a movie that I was excited. I've been uh, thinking about having you watch for uh, for a while now, ever since we did the Predator episode in episode 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the movie Prey, which is a uh, the latest edition of the Predator franchise. Now, this movie was way under the radar for a long, long time until the trailer dropped sometime in 2001, I think. Probably and, 21, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so you're watching this trailer, and it's a it's a it's a it's a movie about a uh, uh, an indigenous, uh, you know, uh, American Indian female warrior who wants to be a warrior in a in a in a in a a group that doesn't want her you know she's a Comanche woman and and they don't really have female warriors but she wants to be a warrior and so she's out 
you know, running and, and hunting, and uh, she's she's crouched in this field, and then all of a sudden the three laser dots show up on the guy that's uh, that w- with her, and you realize it's a Predator movie. Now, I thought, like, I was kind of waiting. I didn't want to give away that this was a Predator movie to you, mm-hmm. because even though I've seen this before, something in my mind had, like, kind of retconned the movie so that they didn't give away that it was a predator that she was hunting mm. until the scene with the bear. Oh, okay. Where the bear attacks her and then it fights the bear and mm. then it is like covered in the bear's blood as it's holding the bear over its head. And uh, and I thought that was the big reveal. And I was like, so I, I wanted to say, say that. But it's not that at all. It, mm. the, the first shot of the movie is like a spaceship coming into the into the clouds and you, you know it's you know it's a it's some sort of you know sci-fi thing so um but that being that being set aside i really enjoyed the story and the uh predator sequels have been so lacking I, ever since predator 2 was kind of okay but it was really just a it was a bit of a i don't know a bit of a retread and i like that this went back in time. Normally, I don't like a prequel. You know, I don't like something that takes place before the original. But I thought they did it pretty skillfully in this movie. Yeah, I. it's funny because I guess this is technically a prequel, but it's not a prequel in the sense of setting up the characters or the story right. or anything None like that. None of the same characters, it's really literally, just mythology. Yeah, it's really just mythology. And so in mm-hmm, that sense, mm-hmm. it's not really a, a prequel so much as a standalone movie in the same universe. Yeah, so uh, it was directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who I'll, I, I want to talk about uh, a little later on. And it was starred Amber Mid-Thunder and Dakota Beavers, uh, who are uh, actual Native American actors. And um, and the interesting thing about this movie is it was sh- shot. There is a uh, an English version of it and a Comanche version of it. Mm. You can watch the whole movie in Comanche and uh, with I, 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 with subtitles. And it, so that's... I thought that was fairly interesting, and they they clearly take great pains to portray the Comanche people in uh, the early 1700s uh, accurately, or at least you know in in within the constraints of of a story about a predator, and um, and so uh, it's very interesting. I apologize for not giving you a uh, a dog warning, um, yeah, although the dog is fine. The, the dog fine. is just fine. Yeah. I spent most but, of the movie wondering, though. I did. Yes. I did spend most. As of the movie soon as wondering. the dog appeared on screen, and I didn't realize, I I'd forgotten that they that she had a pet dog, and it's this Carolina dog that was, uh, in, you know, around back then. As soon as it appeared, I was like, "Oh no!" And <laughs> but then, of course, I was like, "No, no, the dog, the dog's fine." Uh, they they include the dog smartly to give her character someone to uh, give exposition to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Very clever. So brilliant because I talk to my dog all the time mm-hmm. when we're on walks, mm-hmm. and she does the same thing and just tells the dog things that the audience needs to know. And I thought that was just brilliant. But anyway, I, I've gone on too long already. What, what did you think of this movie? This you liked Predator, right? I, the original. I liked but didn't love Predator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what do you think of this one? I I liked this. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I do think it's it's very clever the way that it. It takes what is essentially the exact same story and sets it in a totally different time and place and makes it work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the acting is fantastic. These are these actors are 
a wonderful discovery and I hope they get some more work in mainstream Hollywood and not just in like Indian films because right. like they're fantastic, really, really good actors. Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved the dog. I loved, you know, it was right because one of the, one of the problems that you need to overcome when having, you know, essentially like an Ewoks versus Stormtroopers style story is like, what are the ways in which the, the sort of naturistic people, how do they get an advantage? Right. Mm -hmm. And sure. There's the, Oh, we know the land better than the predator, but like, here's, Oh, we have this trained companion that can help us, uh, you know, overcome some of our disadvantages in the way Mm -hmm. that technology helps the predator. Um, you know, it's funny, right? Because there is this part of me that watches these predator movies and go, man, these guys are just total jerks, right? I mean, it's funny because they're kind of like a metaphor for a hunter, like a like right. a human hunter, right? Where right. Yes. you know, human hunters will talk, uh, they'll talk a big game about like how it's you know you against the beast and blah blah blah. But of course, you know, you have a gun, right? Right. And yeah. and you have a team of people often helping you track the thing, and you have you know cameras and all kinds of technology that help you help you perform the hunt and get in position to to shoot the shot and and predators are like that too it's like oh you know they have this code of honor where they won't attack something that can't defend itself but boy is Mm -hmm. that a that's a real like well i mean a a wolf's got teeth that can defend itself i've got you know seven rocket launchers on my back and he's got teeth you know so it's basically an even fight right and there is this part of you that's like i think you're defining like can defend itself very you're you're giving yourself limits when you don't have to right in order to make yourself feel like it's a fair fight yeah when it when it is patently not a fair fight sure Um, but yeah, I like. I did notice though in this in this in this viewing of this uh, one that the predator uh, does things differently than in the first movie. Right, and, uh, I thought and that was he actually cool. yeah. will he'll generally attack someone using the weapon or using his version of the weapon that that person uses on him. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, like, so someone attacks him with a spear, he'll use his little spear thing. Someone attacks him with an arrow, he'll use his little uh, arrow, like his little guided arrows someone attacks him with a net he uses this this crazy like retractable net thing mm-hmm. um well the bear and those and kind of things he fought the bear by hand barehanded exactly uh-huh. <laughs> too late <laughs> Uh, so yeah exactly exactly so that was an interesting element to this movie that i don't think they did in the first one uh the other the other kind of meta thing because it had a lot of callbacks to the first movie yeah things like uh jesse ventura's line um if it bleeds yeah. we can kill it yeah was in there um her like when she's cornered at the end and she's kind of trying to lure it into his trap she goes uh do it just like arnold schwarzenegger did um but one of the big differences is when arnold was fighting the predator arnold got rid of his technology and went more tribal mm-hmm. right Whereas this character, uh, Naru, mm-hmm. she adapts yeah. to use 
the Predator's weapons against him, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really interesting and different take on, on that battle. Uh, yeah, that's dynamic. a really nice reversal for sure. Um, yeah, if I had to read this movie for something, it is probably hewing maybe a little bit too closely to the plot of the original Predator. Like, uh, you know, if you've watched Predator, you know all of these story beats, you know? And, uh, I mean, even to the extent that, like, there's, like, the Frenchman in this movie and there's uh-huh. the, the like, the drug runners in the oh, in the original movie. Yeah, like okay. And, and, and like, I, you know, this didn't make me, like, not like the movie or anything, but it did feel like maybe it was just a little bit too familiar and a little bit too fan service Like, the, they did a great job of sneaking that Jesse Ventura line in there, but they also snuck that Jesse Ventura line in there, right? Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do I think the French the French uh, trappers were a bit more of a direct threat mm-hmm. than the uh, than the Colombians or whoever they were in the first movie, um, and so I, I do I did appreciate that. I also think that um, she was always a bit of a loner, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she had there were other Comanche warriors around mainly to be fodder to you know to the predator, but she was never part of a team, mm-hmm. right? She was always trying to gain respect and, yeah. and those kind of things. Whereas, um, whereas with, with the predator, with the original, it was a team that was whittled down one by one. Yeah, uh, for sure. Until there was only one. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think when we watched the original predator, one of my things that I was like pleasantly surprised by was like when I was halfway through the movie and it felt like the plot, like all the plot had already been expended. I was like, good Mm -hmm. Lord, how long is this last battle going to be? And it really like zipped by this one did drag for me a little. There was definitely a part about two thirds the way through the movie where I'm like, this is a little, this is a little too long. You know, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, so, uh, speaking of the original we talked about how lush the cinematography was mm-hmm. and, and the setting of the jungle and all mm-hmm. that this has a similar beauty I thought the Great Plains were um, uh, or the mountains or whatever wherever it took place were filmed beautifully I loved the hills and I loved the mountains and the clouds you know it just the cinematography was pretty gorgeous and, you know uh, and, the and camera work. yes and actually what i would like to say is is not only was it was beautiful but like can you imagine if the revenant had looked like this you know right yes or right. um power of the dog had looked like this like yeah like why was why were those movies so ugly when this is what you mm-hmm. have to work with that's you know? a really good point. When you couldn't, you it, it clearly established that you can have a really nice period piece that looks beautiful, and and they had different set pieces. Like yeah. there was the little the burning section, mm-hmm. and uh, there was the you know the river and the mm-hmm. and the forest and all those things that and the nighttime scenes, and they were all beautiful. I liked how well defined the the tribe was, um, mm-hmm. like that they weren't just appendages to the to the story that there was like you could understand that oh there is a real life going on here they talked about move you know oh we need to move the village soon because of this thing that's happening you know there it wasn't it i just felt like that was really well done like those characters in the village felt like characters and not like caricatures sure you know um how, how do you know anything about the writing of this like who who wrote it and what 
Um, uh, so it's uh, the story. So I just had the screenplay up. Uh, it's the screenplay is by uh, Patrick Azon, who did the story with Dan Trachtenberg, and uh, they had been working on it for a few years before uh, it went into production. So at least four years, I'm I'm told. And uh, Dan, so this is a good time to talk uh, about Dan Trachtenberg. Dan got his really. I mean, kind of, kind of got his break when he did a uh, a fan film in the around around 2010, 2011 uh, for the Portal game. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember seeing that. It was big on YouTube back then, and it was this beautiful, well done fan film about this woman who wakes up in a in a portal prison and has to has to figure out a way out. And because of that, J.J. Abrams. I don't know if it was JJ, but whoever gave him the reins to uh, direct uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, which was kind of the sequel spin-off movie to um, to uh, to Cloverfield. The, to Cloverfield, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was a completely different story, but he did that in 2016, and at the same time, I think he directed an episode of like Black Mirror, and then did an episode of The Boys, and uh, and and maybe. I think he's coming on board Stranger Things now. But yeah, this is just his third movie. Okay. And, or no, second movie. Because, mm. yeah, the first one was just a short. So it was uh, one of the first times he wrote the story. And uh, so if you, what you're asking is if they had native uh, writers on board, I don't think that they did. It, it's uh, clear that they had consultants. Right. Sure. You yes. Know, it, yes. Like, well, they talk about uh, they talk about taking great pains to be respectful and inclusive of the um, of the uh, the culture. Yeah. 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 That's that's really fascinating. It's it's a really good movie. Um, you know, I I think I th- this is one of those movies that I liked better while I was watching it than while I was thinking about it afterwards. Right. Mm. Um, just because, yeah, there was the, you know, there was the pacing issue. I'm basically just trying to tell you like, this might not score as high as, as you might hope it would. Uh, okay. It, it just because like it, you know, I, I didn't notice while I was sitting there like, oh man, this hits all of the predator story beats. But afterwards uh-huh. I was like, oh yeah, they really did just kind of retell predator like in a pretty straight way, um, you know, and like no disrespect intended, right? Like it, it, sure. that's a that's a perfectly valid way to do this kind of movie, right? But I and do. And it's feel... kind of the predator thing. And if you look at any franchise, I will I will throw in a little yeah. defense here yeah. and say that's essentially how every Friday the Thirteenth works or right. every Nightmare on Elm Street works. Yeah. They all kind of have the same. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really liked it. Uh, one thing I'll point out is that. I typically hate handheld camera. Like I find shaky cam to be really distracting and mm-hmm. frustrating. This was really great. One because mm. it was subtle, right? There was yeah. there was very little of the like random motion. It was clear that they were just using handheld cameras in situations where they wanted to get like a sense of closeness to people that were like hiding or something like that. And they weren't like deliberately moving the camera more than a handheld camera would move. Sometimes, sometimes when you see like handheld camera, it's like, it's literally 
you could tell that they're like jogging the camera. And there's part sure, of me sure, that's sure. like, you're a professional camera operator. I know you can hold it steadier than this. Yeah. Right. There's behind the scenes video of like, I remember the Star Trek movie where JJ Abrams directed it. And, uh, and, and he's literally like, you could see him shaking the camera to get, uh, get to get that. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. And, uh, I, I thought that, uh, man, some of the action though, like, when she when she rips off the thing's tusk yeah. and, and stabs oh, it with it. Oh, that's so good. Like, it was just a really... Or or even just when she... Like, she understands his technology enough just through obs- through clever observation, which they set up early by having her be kind of an expert tracker. Mm-hmm. Like, she can see things in tracks that are easy to point out. Like, once you point them out, the audience is like, yeah, she's not magic, her, her knowledge. But... Um, she is able to see how he uses his technology so that in w- during the fight, she causes it to chop off his own arm. Right. Which I, th- I thought was also great. Yeah. She, um, the, I liked the characterization of the predator as kind of a, uh, like a, like a juvenile almost. Yes. Like you can kind of tell that this is maybe its first hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's off. He's, he's, He's learning how the planet works. Maybe this is his first time on Earth, and he's learning what the predator, what all the different other predators on the planet do—the yeah. snake, the wolf, the you know those kind of things—until he discovers the humans, mm-hmm. and um, and so he gets cocky. Yeah, like he, his technology, his advanced technology, kind of makes him get cocky, and so you can see as the movie goes on, he takes small injuries and then slightly bigger injuries and keeps on like mm-hmm. you know getting a little more and more um injured until finally she manages to kill him um i i'll also say about the predator one thing i loved and i'm a big as a big sci-fi nerd i didn't know how they were going to tell a story in the past when human technology is so much more primitive mm-hmm. 300 years more primitive mm-hmm. What were they going to do with the Predators? They managed to backtrack the Predator technology mm-hmm. enough to make it pretty interesting. Yeah. And uh, so that it doesn't have the plasma launcher, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 basically the yeah. laser-guided missile thing, whatever. It has these, like, guided, um, you know, metal projectiles. Yeah. It doesn't have the same... You know, it doesn't have the same mask with the breathing apparatus. Right. It has to fashion its own mask out of a skull mm-hmm. and, uh, and and use that. So I, I was very impressed with the creature design. Yeah. Let me just say that yeah. on this on this movie. No, it was really so. good. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, the dog's uh, name is... Uh, the dog's name is Sari, but the dog who played Sari was named Coco. Nice. What a perfect yeah. name. I know, interesting. Spelled differently, without the A, so it's just like Coco Chanel, but uh, still. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool to discover. That's very cool. So, uh, You got anything else to add? We can uh, we can go ahead and rate it? I think I'm ready to rate. Um, Be my guest. So I liked this. Uh, I didn't love it. I'm trying to remember what I gave the original Predator, because I kind of, <sighs> I almost feel like this might be, th- this might be a good opportunity to give it the same... Rating? Oh, no. I, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a g- very good opportunity to give it the same rating. You know why I say that? Because huh. I gave the original Predator a 7, 
and I was debating oh. back and forth between a six and a seven for this, but this is a seven for me. Okay. It, it, but so you it, liked it about the same or maybe a little less? I would say like. about the same. Yeah, okay. about the same. I When I was watching it, I was like, man, this might be a nine, right? And I just, I was like, as I thought about it more, I was like, oh, yeah, they were kind of tripping those, like, nostalgia for the original movie triggers. And, and that's why this, like, pinged for me a little bit. Uh, and the act, right. you know, uh, but, yeah, I think this this is a seven for me. Solid, like, uh, I'm probably not going to watch it again, but that's more of, like, a genre preference issue than anything sure. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say I enjoyed this more the second time through, uh, but I also was, it did highlight a couple of the niggling things that I didn't like. For example, they uh, they try to change up the way that they hide from the predator. So it's not covering yourself with mud. It's it's swallowing a plant that lowers your blood pressure so that you don't show up to its infrared. That's... It's a little bit of thing, but it's not. Uh, you just know that you, you just know that that doesn't exist, right? It's yeah. it's it's they're stretching reality, uh, the credulity of that um, of that reality, um, and also the the idea that all the buffalo were uh, were kind of like in one place and all shot, and it's like, I mean, the first buffalo that gets shot is going to be like starting a stampede, so the buffalo are going to be in a. I don't know. I just didn't like that they, oh. they were all skinned in one place. No, that's that's sorry. So the buffalo were killed by the French. Yes. Yeah, that's a real thing. Oh, really? Yeah. No, that's exactly what happened to the bison herds out in, out west. They would just. I mean, because you got to remember, the bison herds numbered in the hundreds of thousands. So yeah. when hunters would hunt them with guns, they would be able to kill dozens and dozens of bison in oh. the same place yeah yeah all right so that's wow okay it, it's scary and gross but it's real <laughs> yeah oh well, that's that's my bad um so uh so i gave it an eight originally okay. and i think i'm gonna stay with that because okay. uh, i did i liked it there were in general i liked it more i also uh am hoping they make a sequel because they they allude to it if you i don't know if you watch any of the credits but in the credits they have um paintings that basically retell the story and at the end it has one more painting that shows uh, her with her village, but then turning to see a bunch of spaceships coming in mm. from the sky clever and so yeah so uh, there might be a sequel and it was pretty universally uh revered it has been nominated for uh several emmys so because it was a direct to hulu movie mm. uh it's not eligible for uh for you know any like oscar real oscar awards yeah. but honestly man i think this could have been this would have done well in theaters and i'm i'm yeah for sure kind of sad that they didn't put it into theaters i, I think it's probably covid related or possibly related to the uh the fox disney takeover mm. uh that didn't but um but yeah maybe the next one will you could always rent out a movie theater and show it there yeah that's what i'll do yeah <laughs> with all your all right, disposable great. income <laughs> uh yeah exactly with all that extra money i've got well uh matt tell me about the bits tell you about the bats well the bats are uh an indie band uh from new zealand and I actually don't know a whole lot about them. They're, uh, they got together in 2014. They're, uh, they were schoolmates, 
Uh, I don't. That was not a New Zealand accent. I, remind me not to try that anymore. And okay. uh, they released their first album in uh, 2018. Their third album is was released last year and is called Expert in a Dying Field. I've been exposed to it a few times lately and really, really dug it. And I was like, you know what? I want to get him some music that's a little more recent than what I've been giving him. Wait, so this album came out last year? Last year, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Oh, wow. Okay. No, he has no. Keep, keep going. But, cause, uh, no. Yeah, so I, I really like it. Um, the, the lead singer, uh, Elizabeth, uh, oh God, is it Elizabeth Stokes, has a fantastic voice. Not, uh, not overly showy or anything, but a beautiful, clear uh, voice. I saw an NPR Tiny Desk concert that they did, which was super fun. Uh, what, did, what did you think of this album, Travis? Well... I so here's the, I think you think that I'm gonna like this a lot, mm. right? No, I actually when I when I first listened to to it after I signed it to you, there was like uh-huh. fuzz tone on the very first song, and I was like, oh, fuzz tone. He doesn't oh, like psh, that. Psh, psh. He doesn't that, like that. That that didn't really bug me oh, all okay. that much. Although I will say, oh, okay, so <laughs> on. The face of it, like objectively, like if you broke, if you turned this music into numbers somehow, like put it, graphed out the different elements, uh, and then compared it to the things that I've liked in the past, you would be fair in thinking that this is the kind of music that I would love. And um, I will say that the some of the music and the instrumentals were pretty interesting. But overall, Matt, I kind of felt that it was extremely generic in a way. Um, What it sounded like to me, and this is why I was a little bit uh, surprised that it was so recent, what it sounded like to me is the band that shows up in every 90s show where the gang goes to the bar to hang out. Like in Buffy, it's the Bronze, or like wherever bar the, the gang's at, um, at One Tree Hill, or, um, or, you know, Dawson's Creek, when they all go to hang out at the club, this is the band that's playing on the stage. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like to me. Very CW, like, sounds like it should be really good, but ultimately kind of sounds like every other band around that time um there were a couple of there were a couple of songs to me that uh you know how you know how last week i think and i've mentioned this before occasionally when i get a really good song that i like i'll pull out my phone and be like Mm. i'll be like oh what's this song yeah yeah i did that a few times with this album to pull it out to note which songs i really disliked oh really um so the first one was Silence is Golden. Okay. Uh, I, I pulled out my phone because this, this song is, uh, is very noisy and, and unpleasant to listen to. <laughs> um, and then uh, Your Side was kind of the same uh, for a different reason. I pulled it out. I don't remember, I don't remember exactly why. Um, I, the first song, which is the title track, uh, Experts in a Dying Field, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it almost had poetry that was interesting, but I couldn't get past. Oh, man. I hated the rhyming of feel and field. I hated it. Hated it so much. Wow. And uh, every time they said it, how do you feel to be an expert in a dying field? I just kind of cringed um, because I feel like you could have done better with that with that rhyme scheme. Uh, and 
So that being said, all that that's the bad stuff first. And I and I I know I I have told you for 37 episodes that we should start with the stuff we liked. <laughs> I'm sorry for starting with the bad stuff, but I'm in a I'm in a cruddy mood. Uh, I will say that towards the end of the album, I either started to get used to the music, or I or or it was better, and uh, I liked the back half of this album quite a bit more than the front half. Interesting. So um, we could I could separate those mm-hmm. and uh, and then do an average, mm-hmm. um, or I could uh, or I could just rate the whole thing uh, <laughs> at once. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't love her singing. It 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 it, it again. I yeah, I will say you do seem to have a little bit of a. You, I think you were raised on like '80s divas, and so someone like this who has a very pleasant voice but not a super strong voice, like it's a little thin in the upper register, and yeah, uh, you know, isn't like doesn't have like a whole lot of oomph behind it. I think mm-hmm. is maybe something that just doesn't appeal to you. Well, you know what it is. I think I like the there is a I love a singer who is a. Um, who is a what's the word I'm looking for like a prodigy somehow like someone who I couldn't go down in here at karaoke you know and I feel like I could probably just go down and hear this this girl sing at karaoke and uh, she'd be you know she'd be down there at the bar mm-hmm. and she's that she's about that good um <laughs> you know what I mean oh absolutely no I that I, I don't think that's unfair at all. Uh, I will say, as somebody who records a bunch of music in his basement, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Um, you know, she's she's very competent, and I would say even she's good, right? Yeah. Um, she's just not great. or You know, she's not a Florence... Uh, I don't even know what Florence's last name is. She's not a Florence... And the machine. She's not yeah. a. She's not a Whitney Houston. She's not a Tina Turner. She's not. Right. You know, like a powerhouse of a voice. She's just. She's got a really, to me, a really nice, pleasant voice. Uh, yeah. And and I think some of her melodies. You know, the so these are all songs that they've written. Uh, some of her melodies are pretty clever and interesting. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of overuse of repetition. I think one of the things that might have irritated you about Silence is Golden, in addition to the fact that it's loud and kind of, you know, chaotic, is there's uh-huh. a, for a three-minute song, there's an impressive amount of repetition in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will say that these none of these songs were very long, and, and that was one of the things that I expected to dislike really last week is when looking at the uh when looking at the playlist a lot of these were like six and seven minute songs uh you got none of that here uh all these are like two three four minutes max mm-hmm. and um and so if a song if a song does not appeal to you it doesn't last for very long yeah and yeah, so it'll be, that, I, I will it'll give be that to credit <laughs> yeah and i'll agree with you she is good she she's i mean i have you know i'll go to that same karaoke bar and hear a lot of bad and mediocre singers and uh and i'm not saying that she is one of those at all she's she's definitely one of the good ones mm-hmm. it's just uh yeah but yeah but i agree she's not great it's not someone that i would stand up and go wow i really love your voice um and i i think to be honest there's something about her voice that may be graded on me in a way that uh oh, yeah. sufjan stevens i mean i remember i said that his voice even though he didn't have a whole lot going on was so nice and pleasant. Mm-hmm. Her voice, um, I didn't, I didn't 
Hmm. I didn't have that same experience. Again, I didn't dislike it, really. Mm-hmm. Like, not in a severe way anyway. Yeah. But I didn't like it either. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I I, yeah. I really find this uh, pleasant. I look forward to digging a little more into the rest of their catalog. They have two other albums, and I, I think they're, uh, my understanding is they're pretty consistent, so I, I expect to dig them. Uh, I'm not, I will say, Travis, that I have learned that I don't, I cannot reliably predict whether or not you're going to like something. So I'm not, uh, I'm not terribly surprised that you don't like it, but, uh, but I am disappointed that you don't like it. Cause this is, uh, I feel like this is a perfect, you know, three o'clock on a Sunday type, of type of album. Yeah. Yeah. You would have, you would have thought that. Right. And yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint you. And, uh, I, I love that we have different tastes and, uh, and I also love that you bought me something that you weren't, um, uh, brought me something that you weren't super familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, 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 you know, I, I was thinking about that on my walk today and thinking that eventually we're going to run out of our quote-unquote favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And so, like, then what do we do? Well, we just, you know, bring stuff that we discover and, and mm-hmm. that we like and that, you know, that I want to expose you to and that you want to expose me to. And uh, and I think this is a great example of that. Um, and I don't begrudge you that at all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad to have had the experience of listening to this album as I have valued most of the uh, albums that I've uh, listened to. I just, I could not shake that that 90s, uh, you know, uh, WB TV show feel. So on this subject, Travis, I did kind of want to give you this YouTube video to watch that touches on a lot of the issues that we have talked about in the show. It's called The Death of Indie Music by a YouTuber named uh, the Punk Rock MBA. Oh, sorry, The Death Mm. of Indie Rock by the Punk Rock MBA. And it's a really nice overview of sort of the rise of indie rock in the 90s and the like peak of indie rock, which we have covered a lot of, like The Strokes and Interpol and New Mm -hmm. Pornographers and other other bands like that uh, in the the mid-2000s. And one of the things that it really covers pretty extensively is the importance of those like WB or CW shows, specifically the OC, uh, getting oh, featured, yes. yes, getting featured on those shows was like a huge boost for indie bands' careers, and that there was, you know, a, a big upwelling of this very specific type of like, let's be honest, like white upper middle class, somewhat nerdy, but not like too nerdy uh, mm-hmm. music that it doesn't. I wouldn't. I would say the best of it doesn't all sound the same, but there is like a significant chunk of bands that maybe for you are similar to the Beths that kind of mm-hmm. you know land in that kind of indie pop, not you know loud but not too loud and not too offensive right. uh, zone. You know, good singing but not great singing uh, zone. Right. They had to be believable at the club. You know, at, yeah. on the TV show, they had to be believable as that band that's in the club. Mm-hmm. But uh, but also they are. A, a band that the show could afford to, you know, put yeah. on the show. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, anyways, um, I re- I would love it if you'd watch that video. It is like twenty minutes long, but I don't know. Maybe you have time. 
and uh, and I'll drop the link in the uh, show description as well, so our our listeners can watch it. Because I, I, the thing that I liked about it as I was watching it was I just kept going, oh yeah, these are points that we've made on the podcast over this over this year, uh, or or maybe it even explained a little more than I've been able to articulate. Uh, so I, I really liked that and thought it was a really good recommendation for you. Nice, nice. Yeah, I will check that out. Um, well, uh, anything else you want to say about the bets, or no, should we go to the man, ratings? Let's go to the ratings. Okay. Well, so last week I gave Sufiana five, uh, but but qualified it as a, a a very good potential to be higher in the future. I think that um, I'm gonna give the bits the same rating, a five, but but with no potential. I, well, I think uh, possibly the opposite. Like, if uh, I might, there's a possibility that I might like them better on repeated listenings, but there's also a possibility where I might get more perturbed <laughs> by the things that I dislike. Uh, yeah, I might get more perturbed. I love that. I love that phrasing. Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. I actually expected you to rate it below Sufjan Stevens. Uh, let's see. What would I give this? Um,. Gosh, I feel like I give everything an eight, uh, which means uh -huh. I really, which means I really like it. Uh, but I, I, I've got to give this an eight. I really like it. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. It's, you're honest, and I like that about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 to my detriment, I'm sure, but you know, not not a bit. Uh, all right. Well, do you know what you've got for me for next week? I do know what I've got for you next week. And I'm going to ask you the question that you love it when I ask you, which is, <laughs> have you ever heard of Paramore? Oh, I think I have. I thought you might have. I'll actually. bet that I know a song by Paramore. They are a very, very big band. Uh, they're, I, I guess I would say they're pop punk. Um, and uh, they're led by Haley Williams, uh, who is a very dynamic and excellent singer. And they're a three-piece. They have been around for a good 20 years. Uh, but really? she, she was okay. like 16 or something when they got started. 16 or 17. Very young. Uh, wow. Yeah. And uh, they, they're a big band. They... They headline festivals and all that sort of thing. They came out with a new album earlier this year called This Is Why. But I made you a playlist. Uh, it is 11 tracks long. And it's a pretty wide-ranging playlist across their career. They have some really, really good stuff. I would say one of the things that I really dig about Paramore is that they have a really great ear for like hooks and poppy, like the stuff that's going to catch your ear, but that uh -huh. their songs don't all sound the same, which is a, an important thing in pop punk because uh, certainly it's a genre where everything can very much sound right. the same. So and definitely something I have uh, bemoaned uh, in recent uh, weeks. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, things being too repetitive and similar from song to song. Uh, all right, I'm I'm interested to explore that. I'm 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 I can't think of what song I might know from them, but I I feel like the name is so familiar to me that I must know a song from them. So I mean, um, I think maybe maybe still into you or maybe uh, maybe misery business. Still I don't know. I'm into you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. sounds right. That's okay, great. the one. Well, yes, I'm I'm excited to explore more of them. So, have you seen the movie Looper? No. 
Okay, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Bruce Willis, uh, and also Emily Blunt, for what it's worth, uh, and Paul Dano. It's got a pretty interesting cast. Jeff Daniels is in it. Uh, and it was directed by uh, Ryan Johnson. I think it wasn't quite his breakout hit. I'm going to give you this one before I then take you back to maybe his, his kind of breakout indie drama. Uh, but uh, this was a... This is a sci-fi concept kind of very high concept uh action thriller uh it stars uh, well i already told you that but it's about a um oh gosh i don't even want to tell you what it's about it's kind of a time travel trippy thing but uh but joseph gordon levitt plays a he's young my favorite gordon Bruce levitt Willis. you know he is my favorite he's my favorite gordon levitt too i've actually been a fan of his since third rock from the sun he's he's a really great young actor that became a really great plain actor <laughs> just <laughs> actor full stop um so yeah I, this is the movie that i'm going to have you watch it was uh it came out in 2012 so it's a, a good 10 11 years old uh, it only had a budget of 30 million dollars so it's not a big budget thing uh it's all about the story and the concept and but it made 178 million dollars at the box office nice. so um yeah decently successful and uh and led to ryan johnson directing one of the star wars sequels is that the one i liked um, uh eight Yes. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay, he's if, the guy. Did, yeah. yeah, so yes, it was fairly controversial as a sequel, but it's the, um, and we can talk about that a little bit if you ever want to, but that's what I got for you for next week. Well, I just want you to know that my opinions about Star Wars sequels are right and yours are wrong. Oh, um, okay, good. Good, yeah. good to know. Good to yeah, know. and I, I, think I, I think I know where you're at with that. But uh, anyways, yeah, no, Looper sounds fun. I've, I've heard of it. Uh, I don't know too much about it. Uh, yeah. I, well, it's probably been about ten years since I've watched it too, so I'm uh, I, I remember only snippets and and vague generalities at right. this point. So snippets yeah. and vague generalities hey, is another good name for a band that is or uh, a an great album. Name. Yeah. I am just coming snippets up an and... album. Do you know I used to have uh, back in college uh, some friends of mine. One of them maintained a band names page, nice. and anytime we were talking mm -hmm. and we would say something like that, someone could yell band name. Mm -hmm. And they got to claim that as a band name for their list on the page. Oh, and nice. I had, I believe, the biggest list. Uh, but there was a big comp uh, there was definitely comp competition between me and Eric Steffens. Oh, sure. Uh, between who reigned supreme uh, well, on that list. Well, anyway, I think uh, yours was bigger. If, uh, thank you. Um, if uh, Hey, uh, listener, if you would like to expose yourself to us, uh, please email us at exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you would like to join us on Facebook, you can search for Exposing Ourselves there and let us know what you thought of the things we reviewed today. Did you like uh, the music better than I did? Did you like Prey better than Matt did? And uh, let us know. And Matt. Yes, Travis. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. Oh, Travis, you're welcome. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. It is always my pleasure. <laughs> it sure is. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
they'll fight with sword and mace in All right. 